Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk Podcast. We're so glad that you're with us today. An episode on Acts chapter 17. Maybe if you are searching the scriptures daily to see if these things are so... You'll know that we're in Acts 17. Edwin, what is our text for today? Today today we're reading from Acts chapter 17. going to read from verse 22 to 31. I am reading from the English Standard Version. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What, therefore, you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Paul is preaching... And uh, at the Areopagus, and you have taken me there, brother. Oh, I'd listen. I, with I, that dramatic reading, I could picture a man wearing a toga <laughs> around a bunch of other guys wearing a toga. If I'd known it was going to be that kind of a reading, I would have insisted on the King James Version today because <laughs> that was the King's reading. I'm sure the fact that you're picturing a man in a toga has nothing to do with the fact that I am dressed in a toga. <laughs> this is why we need video. <laughs> Maps and costumes. <laughs> I am not in a toga. And yesterday we got pushed up on our time talking about the unknown God. So I figured we'd just go ahead and kick off there again today, just kind of continuing that discussion. Tell me about the unknown God, the, the one that Paul preaches to him here. Well, he is the one that uh, they did not know. So when we were talking about... <laughs> wow. Wow. Is it, is it merely the obvious you have a grasp of? <laughs> Forsooth. So anyway... Uh, as as we're looking at uh, Acts chapter 17, one of the things we were beginning to explore in our last episode, we ran up against the clock, uh, was, look, in preaching, in persuasion, in teaching, know your audience. And what, one of the things we brought out was the fact that Paul, may, this may not have been a very kind invitation to come and to give his teaching, but in fact, his teaching of Jesus Christ and the resurrection was getting some traction, some popularity, and some uh, of the schools of thought and philosophy were taking note, not exactly appreciating it. So there were a couple of groups that are called out by Luke in his history in the marketplace, also doing their teaching there, the Epicureans, the Stoics. I'm going to tell you something that uh, I love in, in digging a little bit about the Epicureans is to find out that 
the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, in talking about the unknown God, is not just speaking out to the pagans and their idolatry, but in fact speaking to people who denied really that there was a God or that God had any involvement with the world today. The Epicurean school was one of those. This Greek philosopher Epicurus uh, was from Athens, as a matter of fact. That's where he liked to to do his teaching, and uh, some of the some of the tax that he spoke about was that pleasure's the highest end in living. The idea of the eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, um, but his idea of pleasure was a little more altruistic. I think our mind goes to wild parties. What is pleasurable, he suggests, is making the world a better place around you and helping other people. So maybe it's not quite as bad as it sounds. Uh, the Epicureans taught that matter is eternal. They denied that the world was created by some deity. Uh, they denied the immortality of the soul. They denied the idea of future retribution. You know, that there's any type of sin or wickedness or judgment that you must answer for. They denied the idea that God's exercise any providential control over human affairs. Mm. Listen, mm. I just think it's good to know that and have a handle on who's sitting in the room when the Apostle Paul says, I saw an idol for an unknown God, and I'm going to declare him to you. Uh, this this is hitting head-on a popular school of thought and one that originated here in Athens. There is a God, and he's the creator of the world. There is a God, and one day he is going to judge this world. Well, you not only have the Epicureans, you have the Stoics. Those are the two that are specifically mentioned. It does tell us that the Athenians and the foreigners who live there, they'll have to come together and just kind of talk about uh, things, anything new, and to hear anything new. And so there's just a lot of picking here and picking there. So Paul has these folks in his audience, and he sees folks as very superstitious. And we've got all these idols, in fact, so superstitious, we want to make sure that we do not miss even one. And there's probably one we're missing. We've got a lot of gods. We're probably missing one. We don't want to upset that god. So whoever that god is, we're going to go ahead and put an idol up here for him. And Paul says, yeah, that's the one. The one that you were just kind of barely hoping not to offend, that's the only one there is. This still is offensive. (laughs) So here is uh, the Apostle Paul. You know, what's interesting is that his message is seen as, as preaching strange deities or some new thing, some new teaching, which tells you that there's a difference enough in his message that he's not just seen as a Jew or a sect of Judaism. You know, they, they had a handle on Judaism, right? Well, yeah. So you're, stre- you're teaching strange deities, and Paul's first response is, I'm not teaching a strange deity. I'm teaching the one you don't know. Yeah. And you recognize yeah. there's one you don't know. This is not strange. You guys all know there's a God out there you don't know. I know him. Let me tell you about this God. So let's. what, what, is, what does he tell us about this God? I'm going to say that um, he is communicating to them without citing book, chapter, and verse. You know, a lot of the teaching that you find in Genesis. I mean, th- this is the starting point. And I think we talked about in the last episode the juxtaposition that when he's in Berea, they're looking at the scriptures daily to see if it's so. This is not a synagogue where he's at in Athens. Okay, so we're not going to get out Genesis, and maybe they don't put a whole lot of stock in Genesis, this particular audience. But he is going to declare the content of Genesis, the God who made the world and everything in it. He is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands. He begins to differentiate that there is a God, not an idol. There is a God, and he is not with this other pantheon of gods. Um, you know, even even in the Athenian perspective with their pantheon, and Zeus is kind of, you know, top dog of the gods, um, he still has to uh, 
there's still all the intrigue and the infighting and everything else with these Greek gods. And, and Paul is declaring transcendence, a transcendent God. That's the starting point. And yet there's still this idea of ultimate creator. And he's, he's appealing to their logic to think through, look, if you've got a creator God, think about this. Do you really think a creator God is going to live in a temple that you made? Mm-hmm. Do you really think that a creator God can be represented by a, a statue that you have crafted? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you really think that a creator God who has made all things really needs you to serve him? He doesn't live in temple made by man. He is not served with human hands as though he needed anything. And here's how we know. Because he gave us life and breath and everything. And he says, you know, look, your own poets agree with this. You guys know I'm not talking out of my head here. In him we live and move and have our very being. As he quotes from poets, uh, I have a footnote that says probably this is from Epimenides of Crete. And then the later quote is from Eratus's poem, uh, Phenomena. Um, we indeed are his offspring. So he's quoting even from their own poets. who Poets were often considered by these um, Greeks and Romans as inspired by the muses and therefore inspired by the gods. So I don't know that they saw their poets exactly like the Jews would see their prophets, but there was that somewhat connection. He's saying, look, your poets agree with me on this. Isn't the Apostle Paul just full of surprises? (laughs) No kidding. You know, as as we've been reading along, it's like, boom, I'm a Roman. (laughs) Oh, hey, that's good to know in Philippi. And he was like, yeah, I, I read your, I read your poets. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've read them. They agree with me. And, <laughs> and let's think about this. And then one of the other things, and this is where I really wanted us to, to get today. He says, when, when I look at this God, this one God, he created all men, all nations from one man. See, we got behind yesterday. Now we're getting behind today. He created from all nations from one man. Again, the content of Genesis. When uh, I think a couple episodes ago when Jackson was sitting in, you guys were talking a little bit about Caesar and who is the image, right? The image bearer. And uh, God has made man in his own image, male and female. He created them uh, in the likeness of God. So, you know, what we have here is creator God. He's given everything and he created people. Uh, was it verse 26 from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth verse 28 for in him we live and move and have our being uh, and then he goes on to quote the poets um, I think there's a really important lesson to learn here that God made man God made mankind goes back to Genesis uh, there are not other stories about where human beings come from. Even at this time, the Greeks had their stories, right? They had their stories. Go ahead. Well, I just noticed something. This, I think, um, I'll get it out here in a second. Paul says this differently than folks would say it today, or maybe today the way we're saying it is not the way we should be recognizing it. I know you've spoken to this before. I think today what folks would say is God made from one man every race. He says God made from one man every nation. Yeah. What do you think is the difference on that between why he's saying it that way and why we today say it the way we do? Well, I think that um, for a few different reasons, we've got some very polarized thinking when it comes to people and looking at different people groups. But there is a simplicity about the Genesis account, which is also true. And that is that in the beginning, God made male and female. He made mankind. Okay, uh, the the distinction of a kind. There are kinds of animals that he made. There's kinds of plants, 
And this category of kind in the scripture is with the ability to be fruitful and to multiply. Okay, be fruitful and multiply. We have an idea today that there are all these different kinds of human beings, different races of human beings. And that's not so. There is mankind. And uh, it's not distinguished uh, by, uh, you know, the, the color of your skin or how tall you are or what your hair is like. If, if you're in the kind that Adam and Eve are, you are made in the image of God and you are an image bearer of God. And uh, Paul, Paul takes it all back to that. So one kind, which means biblically speaking, there is one Race. That's right. Even though there are multiple ethnicities, multiple nationalities, multiple skin colors, there is one race, and that is the human race. The race of Adam. And and so the idea of saying that folks need to stay with their own kind means humans need to stay with humans. And it has mm-hmm. nothing to do with black or white or red. In fact, let me just throw this out. We're pushing up against the clock again. Do, do you realize that Adam, actually the word, as a word, it actually means red? Wow. Connected with Edom, who we know was named Red. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he asked for red stew, therefore he's named Edom. Those are actually part of the same word family, if I understand it correctly. It's red. So, you know, the reality is here we are in America having this black-white thing, and it looks like Adam may have been red. Hmm. So we've got more of a a Middle Eastern kind of hue as as the way we look at the nationalities. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, from there, all this variation came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Mm -hmm. from one man, every nation, from one man, and we've got to get back to that. We've got to stay with that. Absolutely do. The issue of racism and looking down on people because of the color of their skin or because of their nationality or their ethnicity, even because of their cultural background. And this idea that folks need to stick with their own kind, we need to understand what our kind is. And that is humankind. When we come to look at our neighbor through a biblical lens, we're going to see someone who bears the image of God, and we're going to see someone that Jesus loves and Jesus died for. We're going to see someone who sinned because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we're going to see someone who's a subject of the gospel and redemption because the gospel is for all. And uh, if we see others as less than that, then there is sin in our heart and lives coloring that. Absolutely. And I, I want to keep talking about this for another 15 minutes, but we need to go ahead and wrap up. Give us a give us an email. We'd love to hear what you're thinking. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer. God in heaven, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us no matter our nationality. Thank you for loving us no matter our ethnicity. Thank you for loving us no matter our skin color. Thank you for creating us as one humankind, one human race. And may we begin to see each other that way or continue for those who, who, who have gotten there and have accomplished that. May we, may we see each other as that one humankind, that one human race, and therefore get the gospel out to all. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for every person, no matter what the color of their skin, no matter what the accent of their language. Father, may we get that message to as many people as we possibly can. We love you so very much. Thank you for loving us all first. Through your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. 
check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,